I'm Alicia. And I'm Ashley. And we are Murd Nerds. Hello, hello, everyone. I hope all you Murd Nerds out there have been doing incredible. First of all, we're going to start off this episode by giving a round of applause to Jeremy for last week's episode because he knocked it out of the park. So, way to go, Jeremy. It was so good. Can I applaud myself? You mm-hmm. can. Okay, cool. Ashley, Jeremy, how you guys been? Are you excited about the holidays coming up? Yes, very much. My grandpa will be in town, so. See, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, from mm-hmm. all the way from Hawaii. Hawaii. Love it. Are I wonder what it would be like to record a podcast in Hawaii. Probably the same. Larry, we need to find out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to try and get him in here. Yeah. To see if he would talk about my um, great uncle that was murdered. Hey. Also named Larry. Also named Larry, oddly enough. But, he, you, but he was on my grandma's side. If you make that work, let me know. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, talk with him about it. And I did bring it up. He said he'd like to do it, but they're going to be so busy while yeah. they're here. So I don't want to make him feel obligated. Yeah. Well, we'll see. He has the it's, cutest old man voice, too. It is just a short flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely a full, like, 15 hours of travel. Is it, is it that it's far? bad. Just the flight from Kauai to California is almost seven hours. Gemini Christmas. That's straight wow. over the ocean, right off the island, over the ocean, until you hit the States, and then you land, because you're right there on the coast of California. I would lose my mind. It'd be scare, scare. It's rough. I watched a lot of movies on the plane. Yeah. I'd probably like make myself fall asleep, like take a bunch of medication. Seven hours is a lot of time to drink. It is. Those are expensive, (laughs) though, because what they do is you buy like one of those shooters or whatever. They're like nine or ten bucks. Yeah. And then you get a Coke, which you get like two or three complimentary drinks on the flight because it's so long. And then well, my dumbass pours the whole Jack thing into the <laughs> tiny little cup, and then it just can only fit a splash of Coke. So I was, I was suffering through it. That's the only whiskey that they had was Jack Daniels. Ugh. Yikes. I like it. You like Jack? <laughs> I like whiskey. I like whiskey, too. I don't like Jack. I think the, when we were in Texas at the uh, in Dallas, I was out um, having a... A late lunch with uh, Logan and Matt and Dawn and Dan, which is Dawn is Bobby's sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically, my brother and sister down there, and and um, I ordered a Jack and Coke. But I and brother Dan is a avid Jack Daniels drinker. He loves his Jack Daniels. And I was like, "Hey, can I just upgrade that to Johnny Walker? Because I love me some Johnny Walker Black Label." Shit's expensive. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's so good. And, uh, and Brother Dan looks at me and goes, you don't upgrade from Jack Daniels. There's no upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is, my friend. Yes. Wait, I have some Johnny Walker. I love Johnny I, Walker. Is there one called Red Label? Yep. yep there's a Red Label. There's a Black Label. And then there's the infamous Blue Label. Mm-hmm. And that bottle is what, like three, $400 for a Lazy. bottle? I think, I think the one I have is like an $80 bottle or something. Yeah. Yeah. The red is a little cheaper. The black is the next one up. Mm-hmm. I like the black myself, so I usually go with the black label. Nice. Speaking of booze. Oh. This was a perfect subway. 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 <laughs> Segway. Speaking of subway. Ooh, a this... nice tuna. <laughs> tuna melt. <laughs> sandwich from Subway. This week's question. 
of the week is drum roll, please. What is the most embarrassing thing that you have ever done while you're drunk? Oh God, how much time do we have? <laughs> Can Ashley actually narrow that down to one? <laughs> I, I really can't. I probably don't remember the most embarrassing thing I've ever done, but that's true. Jeremy, yeah. Um, once again, probably the most embarrassing thing that I've ever done was puking in the carport at Don and Dan's house when they lived in the town over <laughs> on New Year's and had to go home at like nine o'clock because I was already shipping. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ashley, can you think of anything? Think of just one. Oh, God. You know, the one that stands out the most to me is... I and I was blacked out. I do not recall this, but there's video footage somewhere out there. I know where it is. But I know not, exactly which one you're talking you. about. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I was at actually Mr. G's in Osceola. Uh huh. So you do know which one I'm talking uh-huh. about. Um, among a lot of embarrassing things, I was outside of the bar in front, um, laying on my back, and I was quote doing the worm. <laughs> Unquote. I was not doing the worm, but I was trying. <laughs> it's a very, very embarrassing video. It's a, it's a dying worm. Yeah, yeah. Because the worm, obviously, you do it on your belly, and yeah. it's very smooth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I was just like dry humping the air on my back yeah. and yelling very loudly. <laughs> and uh, the other super embarrassing things, I definitely cannot even share. So, what is uh, who's got that video? <laughs> That's not the one I thought. Oh, it's not? What were you thinking of? When you were singing very loudly at, uh, it wasn't at Mr. G's, it was at Hoople's. It was, I wasn't doing karaoke? It was karaoke. Oh, I do that. I just did that and embarrassed myself doing karaoke last Saturday at Hoople's. Do you want to hear mine? Yes. I can't believe I'm about to put this on the record. Is it? Is it Mad Dog 2020? No. Okay. No. My 21st birthday, I was one of the first ones to turn 21 out of the the friend group. Mm, I remember this. I I waited in the car while you guys went into the bar. No. This that was my birthday. That, yeah, that I'm was talking. Your, yeah, yeah. I'm talking in the weekend. But my uncle owned a party bus. Oh, yes. He still does. And it was like my dad and his friends and um, our friend Jason. Shout out to Jason. Jason <laughs> was there. What up, Jason? My cousin Ashley. Like they were the only ones that I knew that were older, you know, old enough to go. And uh, we did a beer crawl and um, I got really drunk. It was essentially all my dad's biker friends bars that we did the beer crawl it was not for me it mm-hmm. was for him and his friends mm-hmm. um but but we ended up at this really trashy bar as our last place and i had been getting long island the jesus whole time. and you're a lightweight if you're gonna do I it am. do it upright for the right. two one yep and, were you at least uh, getting top shelf long islands because that's for a rough I next day i don't know but <laughs> all i uh i remember you know when you drink too much like sugary liquor mm-hmm. you get the the upsetty tummies mm-hmm. and you gotta poop your brains out <laughs> um i was blackout drunk in the bathroom of this bar in rochester shitting my brains out with it, the stall open and a group of women around me helping <gasps> me 
Oh my gosh, heroes. And I, um, when I got taken home, I nearly fell down the stairs at my mom, because I lived in my mom's house at this time, and uh, I made her undress me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's my most embarrassing moment, is uh, freshly 21 and shitting in a bar. I think we all did very embarrassing things on our 21st, our, our introductory into the bar life, you know? my. Well, my dad's friends, I remember, went, you pooped at this insert bar. Mm-hmm. And I went, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. My 21st, I made, not when we went to Fort Wayne, when Cameron lived in Fort Wayne, but the one I had here in South Bend. Yeah. Um, I made Brittany swap me shoes, like, after I was hammered. <laughs> and so she switched me shoes. And, and then I decided was... I didn't like her shoes. And I took them off and threw them across the bar. <laughs> All righty then. So, um, speaking of all this booze talk. Another this, perfect subway. Another perfect <laughs> subway. Uh, this week we're going to talk about a really fucking wild story that involves booze. And this week I'm going to go back, like, way back in history. Big surprise there. Yeah. I like telling older stories, mm-hmm. events, weird murders, so on. So, this story is pretty bizarre, so you better get ready. Put your comfy pants on. Got them. You got them on, Jeremy. You got comfy yep, pants warm. on. Yes, I'm gonna too. take off Brittany's shoes. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them at that bitch. <laughs> Throw them across the room. Uh, but before we do, let me just drop where I got all my information. My sources for this story were History Pod, Simple History, The History Press, Historic UK, <laughs> History, 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 and Wikipedia. Obviously, because I'm a peasant. So donate to Wikipedia, everyone. Dear listeners. <sighs> Ashley and Jeremy, I'm going to need you to get into our time machine. So get yourself strapped into your chair, grab your snacks for the trip. And I swear to God, if you didn't take a bathroom break before we got in this machine, I'm turning it around. Are you making the beeping noises or do I need to? So here we go. So we've now landed in the early 1800s. The setting is London, England. And the part of London that we're in isn't the jolly old England that we're used to hearing about, though. (laughs) This part, you know, the part with royalty, riches, and Mm -hmm. that English charm. Jeremy's (laughs) looking around. This is like a fucking shithole you brought us to. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the part that just kind of sucks. So this district in London is a small area called St. Giles Rookery. Now, do either of you know what a rookery is? Um, a coal community. Like miners? Miners? Like under 18? <laughs> Shut up. I was thinking of some weird sexual position, but that's okay. You go on. <laughs> 
A rookery is basically like where a lot of people who are without housing get together and basically just kind of like make their own town. Like a tent city kind of? A slum. Yeah. Like okay. a tent city kind of is exactly what I put. So now St. Giles Rookery was the lowest of the low within London, spreading out around St. Giles Church, which is how the area got its name. My only comparison to modern day times would probably be like Skid Row in California. Mm-hmm. Um, or Cleveland. Just any red light district kind of. <laughs> You're insulting all of our Cleveland listeners. Oh. He said or Cleveland. Or Cleveland. <laughs> so um, the area spanned a pretty good chunk of land covering nearly eight acres. It was described by Richard Kirkland, professor of Irish literature, as a perpetually decaying slum, seemingly always on the verge of social and economic collapse. That's really fucking sad. Yeah. So the streets in this area were, for lack of better wording, horrific. This particular rookery was very old and pretty established. Um, Artists had even made prints of it as far back as 1752. The population was insanely dense. Many of the people were dealing with addiction, like alcohol abuse. Some were dealing with severe mental health crises. There was a lot of sex work going on because it was often the only way for people to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, Some were committing terrible crimes like murdering one another or even infanticide. Um, Some were even going as far as unaliving themselves due to their substance abuse, um, the way they were living, or even because they were just so severely starving it was just all around a very sad and dark place in this area there was a pretty well-known tavern which was right next to a brewery known as the horseshoe brewery which was originally built in 1764 so this place was old 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 obviously with the state of the saint giles rookery you were going to have regular clientele Mm mm-hmm um, but it was also such a rundown, decaying area that no one would ever want to buy it, the area. But right. um, that was until Mew Brewery caught wind of the Horseshoe Brewery in 1808. Who, 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 who what? Mew Brewery. Okay. Um, they were one of the two largest breweries in London, and the owner, Sir Henry Mew, decided that he wanted to expand, and this was the perfect opportunity. He saw... Uh, potential in this he was wealthy his brewery was already well established so he could just sink like a ton of money into this new brewery and flip it to be a cash cow can we actually um stop saying brewery let our listeners (laughs) know that brewery is not a word that alicia it says very often no (laughs) can you see me can you hear me stumbling it's like rural it's just awkward to say it is so he could have business right there at the tavern and from his brewery nicely done brewery brewery um where the he brews the beer uh (laughs) and i'm sure that the taxes in the area were extremely low Mm -hmm. because of how dilapidated it was so in 1809 he bought the horseshoe wow risky yeah Now, Sir Henry Mew's father, Richard, had previously partially owned a different popular brewery known as Griffin Brewery. (laughs) Which, uh, honestly, if you think about a brewery, he's like, okay, we'll have a little bit of table service. But most of it gets shipped out to other places to sell. Yes. yes, So, yeah, you don't necessarily cheap property and you're basically just manufacturing. So why not? Exactly. Now, I just thought of this. If you want to grab a beer and take a drink every time I say brewery... (gasps) Let's do get it. drunk. 
Um, so what made Griffin Brewery so famous was that Richard had built the largest beer brewing vat in London at the Griffin. The wooden vat was capable of holding 20,000 imperial barrels. Now, if you're me and you're probably like, what the absolute fuck is an imperial barrel? Well, if Google tells me correctly, one imperial barrel is 36 gallons. So this vat was the largest of the time and could hold 720,000 gallons of beer. That's a lot of beer. Jesus. Jeremy? Ashley's now packing her bag and getting ready to head that way. <laughs> I wouldn't just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait till the end of the story. I I drew many assumptions at the beginning of your story last week, Jeremy, and by the end I was not strong yeah. in my beliefs anymore. So <laughs> I'll, I'll hold my comments till the end. <laughs> Now, I don't know if Henry had daddy issues or something, because when he started refurbishing the horseshoe, he felt compelled to try to build a vat similar to the one that Richard had built. Henry's vat was completely wooden. It was 22 feet tall and capable of holding 18,000 imperial barrels or 648,000 gallons. So not quite as much as his daddy, but, you know, we can't all achieve. Quitting daddy. (laughs) We can't achieve peak pettiness. Um, so 80 tons of iron rings were used to strengthen the vat. So like picture old timey wooden barrels that have like the metal rings around mm-hmm. them, keeping mm-hmm. the wooden planks tight and the barrel together. That's what this was, but just on like a huge Holy fucking scale. Balls. That's crazy. Yeah. Henry ended up creating quite a bit of these vats to fit within the brewery, but none of them were quite as large as the original one. He did this not only to have more product, but sometimes he would leave the beer to ferment for longer periods of time, like sometimes months, sometimes up to a year. I guess the longer you leave it in there, the richer the taste. I don't know. I don't know how to brew beer. So if I'm wrong, please forgive me. I will not. By 1811, the brewery was able to take off. Henry only brewed porters. Now, I'm going to get in a history lesson here because I am not a huge beer drinker. I know beer is like an art form for some people, and I totally respect that. But if you're uneducated like me, we're going to learn about what a porter is. Do you know what a porter is? I'm not surprised. Do you know what a porter is? A really good steak. That's a porterhouse. You you have your porter, I have mine. (laughs) So a porter is a type of beer that was originally stylized for the first time in the early 1700s of London, England. What makes porters unique is they are very well hopped and use a brown malt, so they're very dark, nearly black. Porter was the very first beer to be brewed all around the world in different countries, including the United States and Ireland and Germany and so on. Each place has their own special mixture and flavorings on how they make their porters, but porter became such a popular drink because it was frequently drunk by the working class and the people who worked on the docks at the port. The porters. Mm -hmm. Smart. Anyway, back to our crazy ass story. The brewery was doing very well. Within the first 12 months, Mew and company were brewing 120... Or excuse me, 120,493 imperial barrels. That's 3,689,748 gallons of beer a year. That's a lot of beer. Now, Anheuser-Busch brews 125 million gallons a year today um, in 2022. So nearly 200 years later annually worldwide. So if you think in comparison in 1812, this is one brewery that was pumping out nearly 4 million. Not too shabby in my opinion for Mm -hmm. what they had, what they were working with, and for one brewery. 
Now, let's take a moment. We're in a very densely populated city. We're in a part of the city that is um, very poor, not a lot of protection. And this area has a huge wooden vat filled with hot fermenting ale. Sounds fucking dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Or sounds brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Build the beer, they will come. <laughs> The residents of St. Giles Rookery were definitely concerned by this. They mentioned it to people within Mew and Company. They mentioned it to the people that were involved within the city, like the politicians, the guards, police, whatever. And no one cared. No one ever got back with them over their concerns. Um, was this because of their social status? And, you know, the people within St. Giles were poor. Nobody, they were the right. lowest. Right. The it's like you're lives, there so we don't have to deal with you. So why are you bothering us when, you know, you're our, you know, you're not our problem. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they really didn't take them seriously because they considered them lesser than. So uh, remember those iron rings we talked about earlier? Mm-hmm. I do. The, the ones that reinforced the wooden vats? Mm-hmm. The 22 tons of them? Mm-hmm. Well, at 4.30 p.m. on October 17, 1814, one of those 700-pound rings buckled, snapped, and fell off the giant 22-foot fermentation vat as it was fermenting 126,000 gallons of dark brown porter. Was it hot? Hot porter? It was hot porter. Um, so the the 22-foot fermentation vat, which was the big one, was it was holding less than what it could hold. Mm-hmm. It was 100... It was, But the steel still buckled, which is... Yes, mm-hmm. okay. I could I could assume because the gases that were built up inside. That's what I'm thinking. Um, the storehouse clerk George Crick was called to inspect the vat, and there were several other rings holding the vat together. Still, these rings um, giving way and falling off sometimes happened. They didn't have the, like the MBD. best technology. <laughs> yeah. Um, they would always just wait until someone could come fix it and put it back. They'd like write a letter to the maintenance person. Um, we and, have a chance. Yeah, they just ignored it, waited for him to come weld it back on. But that vat just kept brewing, and the pressure within caused the vat to continue to grow and expand with one less iron ring to keep it together. So th- you, would th- how did they seal those? It was just the tightness of the rings, right? I'm assuming it was like a a forger. A is that. I'm not a forger. Uh I don't know what that is. Someone who forges metal? Yeah, but if the barrel was made of wood... Oh, are you talking about top? No, I'm saying the sides, the wood's like this, right? Yeah. The iron rings. They probably took like sap or something. I don't know. They probably... There was some... Yeah. It just just doesn't seem something that would be like watertight. No. I don't. I don't. I don't know because most of most of the uh, vats that I've seen now are all metal. I mean, if you're heating a giant wooden barrel, right? They're metal. They've got gauges on yeah. them to reduce and you know pressure. Yeah, and, all and that. they yeah. the wood's going to expand and contract yeah. with heat, yep. coldness, mm-hmm. moisture, and that's why the ring buckled and broke. It's probably giant. inside. There was probably resin. I would assume there was resin lining it or some kind of like like a sticky sap or something that would harden mm-hmm. the inside. Um, but anyway, at 5.30 p.m., so an hour later, that 22-foot vat expanded just a little too much, and it exploded, taking out the back wall and part of the roof of the brewery. The force of the explosion and the wave of hot liquid caused several other vats around it to become unstable themselves. Oh, no. 
Yeah. And the other vats began exploding in a chain reaction. The brewery was quickly being filled and taking over by hot, dark beer. Which sounds like a dream for some, but it's not that great. Before anyone could make a move, over 320,000 gallons of beer started pouring out of the brewery and onto the streets of the St. Giles Rookery. Remember the tavern that was right next to the horseshoe? The nearly 15-foot wave of ale took out one of the walls of that tavern, the Tavistock Arms Pub, and in its destruction, the wall came down on a teenage beer maid named Eleanor Cooper while she was washing pots. She was later found dead from being trapped under the rubble. As the wave traveled, it wasn't just beer. It had now started to pick up debris and objects along with it, um, causing even worse damage. By the time it reached a cross street, the beer had flooded the basements of two homes, causing the homes to completely collapse in on themselves. Oftentimes, considering this is a very poor part of the city, um, basements would be rented out to people and families who weren't able to afford regular traditional housing. So one of those homes that collapsed was the home of Mary Banfield. Her and her four-year-old daughter, Hannah, were sitting at their dining room table. They were enjoying their afternoon tea, drinking tea and eating a snack. And before they could escape, the wave crushed their home. They were swept away in the current of beer. Both Mary and Hannah were pushed underneath the wave due to the rapid speed and died i'm unsure if it was because of drowning or something else like blunt force trauma um but in this same area another child was swept away and killed and her name was sarah bates and she was three years old i wasn't able to find much out about sarah like whether she was at the house with mary and hannah um was like if she was playing outside or whatever else but in every story that i read or listened to they were kind of together sarah hannah and mary um, but I'm unsure if that was because like there wasn't really a good place to put her death or she was just around in the area. Um, the other home that was destroyed in, uh, in the basement, there was the wake of a two-year-old Irish boy named John Sable. He had passed away the day before and the wake was being held in the basement where his family lived. Like I said before, the pressure and pure volume of beer that was flooding the streets was immediately pouring into basements. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it began trapping the people who were at the wake for John. Um, John's mother, Ann Sable, uh, 27-year-old Elizabeth Smith, 65-year-old widow Catherine Butler, and 30-year-old Mary Mulvey and her 3-year-old son, Thomas, were all trapped in the basement. And they drowned. Oh, no. Yeah. Luckily, um, other people had seen what was going on and had just enough time to either leave their homes or get out of their basements. But the brewery workers were trapped inside the rubble and waist high flooding of beer. Um, They would either grab things to float on like a la Leo from Titanic or it was um, or if the beer was like cool enough, they could wait in it until people could help. There were dozens and dozens of injuries after the explosion, but luckily there were no fatalities inside the brewery itself, which I think is like a miracle yeah. considering the explosions happened in there. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, now, there was an issue with the rescue attempts that were rushing in to try to save the injured. Um, in the beginning, I stated that this area was rough. Uh and a lot of people had problems with alcoholism. So people that lived there lived there specifically because they were near a brewery and near a tavern. So when this happened, the streets were flooded with 
free beer, basically. It caused a swarm of people to take whatever they were able to and collect the beer. Literally. Yeah. No. Literally anything that that could hold a liquid. Pots, pans, kettles, cups. Some people were just straight up putting their mouths to the ground and drinking. Woof. And if you recall depictions of England back in the day. Dirty. Dirty. They had chamber pots that they just kind of like tossed out. Yeah. Is that a poop pot? Poop pot. Poop mm-hmm. pot. Poop yep. pot street. You didn't you never seen a chamber pot? Never seen one? No, I haven't. I just recently saw one down in Spring Mill in the in the old mill. They have an actually a setup with a bedroom and the chamber pot. That's where they would do their business. Throw um, the in the middle of the night. Crazy. Instead of going out to the outhouse, instead of having to mm. leave the leave the house on cold days, they would just. They were lazy back in the day too, huh? Yep. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I'm gonna get me one for my room. So it's not video games. <laughs> According to Martin Cornell, author of Amber Golden Black: The History of Britain's Great Beers, none of London's newspapers would report that there were people trying to get and drink the beer. The newspapers actually stated that the crowds that gathered were very, quote unquote, well behaved. Mm. Did they do this maybe because beer was such a huge moneymaker and they didn't want to turn people off to it? Or maybe they didn't want people to push the brewery out of town for causing people to lose their minds during this emergency. I'm not sure. But it later came to light that people actually were really heavily rioting and getting completely trashed off the street beer. And that the news reporters never actually witnessed any of this. They were only prompted to report what they thought happened, not what actually happened. That seems like not journalism at all. Not at all. There were nine unconfirmed deaths due to severe alcohol poisoning that happened within the days after this happened. Okay, I was kind of wondering about the angle. I was like, why would it matter if they were drinking the beer? But I see now. Yeah. The London Post did state that it looked like the area was hit by an earthquake. Um I said earthquake. Earthquake. <laughs> I kind of heard it. I, I said earthquake. Um, I yeah. can only imagine it was horrible. Some of the watchmen and guards started charging people a penny or two to view the vats and the mass destruction around the area of the explosion. Um, and people came by the hundreds to see. They also, uh, people were starting to like pay their respects and donate to the funds Um, to host the funerals for the eight victims because these were very poor people. Right, right. Believe it or not, the smell of beer lingered for months and some people even made claim that the fumes were so strong that you could get drunk on the smell alone. You believe that? I do. Hmm. I do. Yeah, crazy. Mew and company were eventually taken to court for the incident, but they were cleared of any negligence. The judge and jury deemed the situation a total accident, even blaming that it was a, quote, act of God. No, that's lack of planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were definitely at fault. So the rumor mill started turning and people started speculating that this wealthy company could have just potentially bribed the judge and jury and paid off their innocence. But since there was no proof and it had it was never taken seriously and just moved further as not, being nothing more than a rumor mm-hmm. this sadly meant that the government nor the company were obligated to pay any compensation to those affected living or deceased 
The victims of the flood had caught, had lost an average of 3,000 pounds, which I try to convert that. I think it's roughly like 200,000 euros today. I don't know. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Well, when you consider their belongings and their mm-hmm. homes. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's correct, but. I'm not that we're converting it over right right a couple centuries (laughs) between their homes being destroyed their lives taken their belongings washed away lost or destroyed these people had so little already and now they lost everything and there was no way to put there was no one to put blame on even when um, the company was kind of negligent for the situation so Mew and company had already paid their excise taxes on the beer for that year and then they lost that beer. So they went to the government and asked for a refund and they were granted it. And then the following year in 1815, an act was passed that allowed Mew and company to brew ale do free at other brewery breweries. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, we're going to count and I'm going to put in the show notes how many times Please you say do. brewery. So they didn't have to pay taxes and it would all be income. Essentially, even though they lost close to 1.25 million euros in today's money, um, the waiver they received from Parliament and the additional 40,000 euros today and compensation for the lost beer was able to save them from going bankrupt. So they made money on the tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yep. After this tragedy, wooden fermentation vats were completely phased out, obviously due to how dangerous they were. The beer-making industry then began using other ways to ferment beer, including concrete lined with resin, asphalt, slate, or even metal. The horseshoe was built back within just a few months, and even when this this was all going on, when the smell of beer was stale and still hung in the air. Pretty crazy to think Mm -hmm. about. Um, So they continued brewing beer until 1921, when it was shut down, and then it was demolished in 1922 and replaced by a staple in London, the Dominion Theater. Interesting, huh? So I just wanted to change things up a bit. I like learning about these interesting stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Jay, Ash, I don't know how much you can comment on this, but... Do you know what this reminds me of? What? Have you ever heard about the story of when the molasses vat yes. it, and it seeped slowly, seeped, killed so many people? The hot molasses, yeah. Yes. Was that in Chicago? I don't think so. Where I think was it, that? I don't remember. Yeah, Google it. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it was just like hot, boiling hot molasses and it was it just took over and like just sucked up everything in the area. Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. There was 150 people injured. 21 people died. Crazy. But that happened. I bet, I mean, your story that you just told had to happen like almost in an instant where that was kind of took a little bit more time because it was was large. Yeah, which is shocking that so many people died or were injured because molasses is... Mm-hmm. You know, canonically, pretty cold, pretty slow. Pretty slow. But I think <laughs> it was the same kind of concept. It was in an area that was just really densely populated, and th- there was just no time. People didn't realize what was happening until it was too late. It trapped horses. Holy mackerel. Yeah, that one's crazy. I had never tried molasses for years and years, and then I finally tried it. I was like, this is awful. Why is it so good in cookies? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about. Molasses cookies. My favorite cookie is mincemeat cookies. Weird, right? 
That sounds awful. I know it sounds awful, but they're so fucking good. Can you make them? Yeah, I can. Do you want me to make you some? Yeah, you should enter them into the contest at work because we're give, we're doing a cookie contest. Really? Mm-hmm. It's not my original recipe. Is that okay? That's fine. It's just a cookie contest. Hmm. Maybe I will. Yeah. So if you're in the Bremen area. <laughs> Beep. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I like doing these stories. I think they're these like historically bizarre stories. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do more of these. I know that's like out of character for what we do, but I like it. And if I like what I'm writing about, it's. I literally did a biography on George Norrie last <laughs> month. I think you're you're well in our wheelhouse doing stories. Yeah, like but these. it was no murder November. Mm-hmm. No, I like I like stories like these too. It's good to take a beat and not be so, especially our lineup after our two hard two episodes stories. were tough ones. Yeah. yeah, so so if you like this story. Let me know. Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet to your baby listener. Don't let your baby listen to this. Don't let your baby. Inappropriate. <laughs> it's totally inappropriate. But my sweet little angel baby listener, unless, do you like this? Unless they'll rate, review, and subscribe. Good? Yeah. They can listen. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the the Murdner's Grandma's page, page to start no off on shit. Facebook. <laughs> Somebody start that. Grandma's for Murdner's. Yeah. Uh, do you want to... Um. Oh wait. Never mind. Cut that. Oh, well, I was gonna see if she wanted to in. announce <laughs> our Christmas episode, but we'll talk about that later because we'll let him have time to kind of sift through everything. What is happening? I don't it, know. We don't know. <laughs> it's the last episode of the day. It always is a little wacky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wacky doodle. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So during your story, all I could picture was Ashley swimming through the beer. <laughs> this big <laughs> smile on her face. They're like, oh, beer. I love beer. I picture Homer Simpson. Do you like porters? Backing into a bush. Um, Is Guinness a porter? Guinness, though, that originated in... Where did that Ireland? Ireland. That would be my guess. Um... No, I don't think I do. I don't like IPAs. I don't like any of that fancy shit. I do like um, Yingling. I like black and tan. So that is kind of a God, porter so, yeah. ale type of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big beer person. Dos Equis. I like Dos Equis, Stella Artois. Guinness is a stout, right? I'm I'm kind of running that through my brain. Porters yeah. and stouts are very similar. Dark, yeah. You know the person to ask. Here, let me read it, Gunner. No, Colton. Oh, Col- oh Colton. He oh, yeah, he's a Guinness, a Guinness crazy yeah. person. Yeah. Let me read you. Yeah, Guinness extra stout. Okay, let me read you because I I looked up what a porter was. So you have, thought we were done. We're yeah. not done. I have the Wikipedia article already up. So the history of stout and porter are intertwined. The name stout used for a dark beer came from or came about because strong porters were marketed as stout porters, later mm. being shortened to just stout. Guinness Extra Stout was originally called Extra Superior Porter and was not given the name Extra Stout until 1840. Today, the terms stout and porter are used by different breweries almost interchangeably to describe dark beers and have more in common than in distinction. Interesting, right? Is that no, is interesting. It is, it is very interesting. I don't, I don't like porters or dark beer. I'm not yeah. a dark beer guy. Same. I like the water beers. The, Same. Your ales, your Bud Lights, and your... All I the love, basics. I love a uh, Bud Light from ta- the tap. 
Rolling Rock. I love Rolling Rock. Mm-hmm. I I like mine to be see through. Right. Yeah, you like the blondes. You like the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have uh, have a new love for amber ales. Those are a lot of those are really good. If you get a chance to have those, um, Amber Bach makes Who's that. <laughs> it's she's the- a girl that lives down the street. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, there's okay. There's called Amber Bach and shit. Her sister Shock Top Autumn Bach. You mix them together. Shock Bach. I don't remember. I can't even remember who told me that. He mixed these two together and it's called something crazy. It's supposed to taste so good. Beer's an acquired taste. And each section, each style of beer is, is an acquired taste. Very much so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I hated beer. And then I I love it. It tastes like a big loaf of bread. I just want to eat it. Like a nice... A nice I like the burn tap of an like, ice cold beer on a hot, hot day. I could... Oh, my God fucking chug a whole beer so good so good now see i can't drink it i can't drink any beer from the tap it gives me an instant headache oh really yeah weird that is it's so weird yeah if i if i were to drink to get drunk though i would just rather take a couple shots yeah just beer makes you with. so full and, yeah. bleh, and i bloated. pee so much yeah, yeah if i want to get drunk i'm gonna take shots mm-hmm. like i don't want like a cute little fruity drink like they taste good. You don't want an umbrella and some pineapple. No, oh, it'll give me a tummy ache. Yeah, yeah, it's no point in fucking with it. If your goal is to get drunk, I will poop in the bar bathroom <laughs> if I get she too much sugar. Watch out! <laughs> he walking by. He's like, "Oh, he's just in there." I see. I drink Crown and Seven Up, so Seven Up still has tons of sugar. Oh yeah, but it's not all those liqueurs with grenadine and you know, yeah. it's not all that shit. So I do love and, a mint mojito though. Mm. You know who makes really good mint mojitos? Yamata. Jesse. Really? She makes a killer mint mojito. You know what's weird? Tony likes mint mojitos. Really? Hilarious. Just give me a Jack and Coke. We'll be good to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At uh, Nick and Amanda's wedding, I haven't drank Red Bull. I was heavily addicted to Red Bull for a while. Mm-hmm. And I stopped drinking Red Bull in about June, June, July. Um until I went to Nick and Amanda's wedding and I drank vodka, which I hate. Vodka and Red Bulls. The whole night. It's good though. Vodka Red Bull's good. So fucking good. And I like I said, I do not like vodka. And I haven't I stopped drinking Red Bull. I like a good uh vodka cranberry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the problem with cranberry is is that it gives you a lot of acid. So you get drunk and, real yeah, fast. And I just don't drink them anymore. Mm-hmm. Well and it's sugar and it's red, so if you end up getting sick, you're gonna be yep. staining I, if you don't Am I it. puking up blood? That's yeah. what Roy was drinking was vodka cranberries. And that's how he ripped his pants. <laughs> now you know. The more you know. And his giant schlong fell out. <laughs> <laughs> Your yacht? Why, why, no, that's Roy's penis is my, is my yacht. <laughs> but yeah, I, I The hope thing you need to bring up in every podcast of Murderers from here out is my yacht. Your yacht? Your yeah. yacht Roy's penis. Roy's, Roy's penis. penis. <laughs> it's just a mini toy yacht. Mini- <laughs> wow. No. Small dick jokes are out. Big dick jokes are in. All right. It's been decided. It's been, I'm calling it now a proclamation we voted i love it this is a democracy (laughs) okay well (laughs) that's a deep subject (laughs) 
If you uh, liked- oh, I liked that. I just got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the story. If you want to hear more like it, let us know. Send us a message to our social media pages on Facebook. Just search Murd Nerds, or if you're on Instagram, it's at Murd Nerds. Uh, we also have an email, MurdNerds at gmail dot com. Let us know what you're thinking. I always like to know. Um, I'm still waiting for people to share their deep dark secrets so that I can anonymously post them. If you want to burn, use a burner email address. I don't care. I'm just curious. Um, I'm nosy. Roy's penis at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts, do that too. And you can also rate our show on Apple Podcasts and You can leave on comments Spotify. on Apple Podcasts? Yeah. Oh, cool. Reviews. Yeah. Hmm. Rating is the numerical system or like stars. Reviews are how you feel about the reviews. Gotcha. Yeah. If you liked us here at Murder Nerds, I bet you would also like one of our other shows in the Golden Mojo Entertainment family of podcasts, The Call Guys, who cover all things pop culture, Golden Image Podcasts. They go places so you don't, so you, you have what? to. <laughs> you just about blew it every time. <laughs> Uh, hit up the United States of Paranormal for all topics Football. spooky, creepy, and bizarre. And if you're a football fan and you want to hear all about Jay's favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, check out Indiana Chiefs fans. How about those Chiefs? <laughs> you can find all of those shows wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. And also check them out on social media. There's more information in our show notes. If you would like to help support Murder Nerds, um, you can do that by going into our show notes. There's a link and you can donate 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99. We hope to see you next week, sweet baby dolls. And if you haven't been told today, we care about you. You're doing great. And we love you. Bye. Bye.